everybody. Welcome to the Hidden Gems Podcast. This is the show where every week we talk about a streaming service and what are some of the hidden gems that you can find on that streaming service. And I am film critic Rachel Wagner. Today we are talking about HBO Max and uh, Ryan is here. Hey Rachel, so great to be back with you once again. And uh, in the words of Jedi Master Plo Koon from episode two, season one of Star Wars, The Clone Wars, we are not alone out here. <laughs> That's right. Yes, we have a special Leonard. guest today. Very good friend, Ronald Smith is here. Thank you, Ronald, so much for coming on. What up, what up? How y'all doing on this gorgeous day? I, I'm blessed to be here and to join with these two amazing people. How can I not want to join you on the fun? Yeah, well, thank you so much. And, and you've been on our show once before, but for people that might not remember that, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Oh, no problem. Yes, I am... My name is Ron Lee Smith. I am not only a sports journalist, I am also an interviewer, which I interview not only athletes, but content creators, and just sitting down with them, having a good chat about who they are, what they do, and how they got to where they want to be. And let me tell you something, these chats get a lot of fun, and we touch on moments that will surprise you. They really are very good. Yeah, and uh, even when he interviews little me, it's pretty fun. <laughs> Please don't ever even say little Rachel. Rachel over here was special. <laughs> so Ron over here is giving Joe Rogan a run for his money. Yeah, uh, right. look, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to level up. Okay, one step at a time. Get yes. that. Get that Spotify money. <laughs> oh, God knows. <laughs> Well, what we were going to do, because we were talking about HBO Max today, uh, we thought it would be interesting to talk about the new film on HBO Max, and the Judas and the Black Messiah. I saw it at Sundance, uh, and uh, it is available to stream on HBO Max and, and in the theaters, as uh, Warner Brothers is doing the whole year this year with all of their releases. And uh, so I thought it would be fun to talk about it and give our little reviews. And this is a movie about Fred Hampton's true story. Uh, he is, was the chairman of the Illinois Black Panther Party. He was a young man. I think he was 21, I believe, when he was killed. And uh, he uh, was uh, betrayed by an FBI informant named William, William O'Neill. And Fred Hampton is played in this movie by Daniel Kalua, and William is played by Lakeith Stanford, Stanfield. And uh, this also has Jesse Plemons in it and Dominique Fishback uh, in uh, important roles and uh, I, I think it's a pretty compelling film I definitely enjoyed it I think the, sh the biggest strength is all the performances are really really good and they definitely get a sense of feel and uh, you feel like you are in the 1970s in this uh, it feels very immersive to me this film uh, but Ronald what did you think overall of this film Y'all don't, don't even know, like, I, and it's so weird to say this, you know, like, it's, and I, I, maybe I say you'll understand it. I loved it, but also I hated it, you know, mm -hmm. because dang, like, this film is so compelling. Like, you, you get sucked in, the, really the moment it starts, and after that, you're connected with these characters, like I really was just swooped in. And then also it catches you on surprise on moments when you're trying to figure out what's gonna go. 
And then in the end, again, no spoilers. They, they ain't going to do that nonsense. I mean, it's but, history. So what are you going to do? True. true. You're, no, you're right. True. <laughs> Even though you do know how it'll end up, it still catches you up on guard. Like, and it's so emotionally frustrating. Like, Fred Hampton, I never knew that much about him until I watched the film. And that made me want to look up more about him. Imagine all that you can do at 21 years old. Like, it's insane. I I cried. I was angry. I loved it. I would recommend this movie to anybody. Like, it's definitely a film that I would say you need to watch. But I can also understand if someone tells me I couldn't watch it again because it is a hard watch. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, I absolutely agree with, uh, I agree with Ron. It was very good. The performances were absolutely amazing. I think my favorite of which was Daniel Kaluuya. Even though I'm not a big fan of Get Out, I thought he was the best part of it. He was awesome in Black Panther and he's been great in most of the movies he's in. No different here. Not too familiar with Lakeith Stanfield. I know he's been in some other movies I think I might have seen, but he was great here. Jesse Plemons looks more and more like fat Matt Damon, and it's, you can't not notice it. It's like Matt Damon and him are going to meet each other one day, and get, they're going to be like, like the Spider-Man. <laughs> Spider-Man, yes, Spider-Man. <laughs> and yeah. if I had to have one like minor nitpick with the movie is that I felt like it wasn't long enough. The movie's two hours, and... I wanted this movie to be like Malcolm X length, like go th- the full three hours with it because there's so much in this movie. The Rainbow Coalition, Fred Hampton going to prison, O'Neill essentially taking over the Illinois Black Panthers and rebuilding the, rebuilding the headquarters after the police battle in Chicago. Like, there's so much you can expand upon and go into, like, little side stories with. And I felt like in two hours, it was just like, okay, they started something and then they had to be super concise with it. I wanted, mm-hmm. I wanted more from it. This, this subject is, like, screaming for, like, an HBO miniseries or something like that. Because HBO are, create, creates excellent miniseries, like Band of Brothers, and it's just amazing. So... I feel I felt like it was a little constrained by the two-hour runtime. I wish it were longer. However, that's like a small thing. Like yeah. it's small in the grand scheme of things. I I can agree with you on there because I the one flaw I would have with the movie is I felt like they could have done a better job with Bill O'Neill, William O'Neill's uh, motivations. Like I, it seemed to me that just not getting arrested for stealing a car wasn't it like enough motivation? Maybe that was in reality his only motivation for doing what he did, but I could have used a little bit more from him and his character. And, uh, but I think that he did a good job with what he had and it was not like it was bad. I just could have used even more, I think from his character. Uh, but I, I still, I still thought it was really good. I, I particularly appreciated how they developed all sides of Fred Hampton's character. Uh, that it wasn't just the sort of the fiery speaker kind of thing that you you would be easy to easy to portray, portray. But the scenes with him and uh, his 
wife, uh, Deborah Johnson, played with Dominic Fishback, I thought were equally compelling. And there's a moment where she says, I'd never thought that you would be shy, but you are shy. And I thought that added so much to his character and just made him a really interesting, dynamic character that could be both shy and this fiery uh, preacher, personality, protester. Uh, and so I would be happy if she was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. I thought she did a really, really good job in, uh, in a few scenes. I, I, Oscars, I, so it, 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 I'm sorry, Ron, I, I didn't mean to step away. No, no, go, 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 go ahead. I was just going to say it's the Oscars, so it's probably not going to happen. But if she does get nominated, I do hope that she wins. Yeah. You're not wrong. Like, I was, I, I've never seen, uh, or maybe I have, I just never really paid attention to her. But uh, 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 Dominique Fishback, like, she was so great. Like, mm-hmm. I, I was, I felt every emotion that she had in it, like, I felt it, you know? And just to bounce off what Rachel said about Fred Hampton, I do appreciate how the film really made, like, fl- fleshed him out to show him, to show all layers of him, especially of how, like, he was more than what I guess the police and the government feared him to be, how they felt that he was a tyrant. He, mm-hmm. they wanted, he wanted to, to cause anarchy, but seeing how like he was so able to look and bring and try to bring other side, other groups together and say that, you know, why should we be fighting each other? We should be working together. And I really love that. But also something true that some things he says too, you, you can also counter what he, he he's speaking because some people were like, "Hey, man, like, you, you know, you're you're kind of you're ca- counterproductive of what you're saying," and, he's, and and you're like, "Yeah, that's that's true." To show that he's not perfect, you know, and I I really respect the film to show that you know he's not an, a person that's not a, a god, you know, showing that in the end you're still human. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think that that was really good. I agree. And uh, I, I think that Jesse Plemons is really good in this as well. I mean, I, I think that someday he will have an Academy Award. He's such a good he actor. He's the kind of actor that I feel like will get nominated for an Oscar. And a lot of people will be like, what, who's that? And he'll be like, no, where have you been? Where you've been watching? Cause he's, he's so good, whether it's, uh, you know, dr- dramatic roles like this or uh, whether it's, comedic roles Um, like mm -hmm. in uh game night or yeah you know so many different i think he's great i've been a fan of his since he was todd in breaking bad which Mm. oh he was so hateable in that show but i won't go (laughs) he's just so good at being hateable like you really (laughs) hey he's so good (laughs) i love him in game night and i mean i've loved him ever since friday night lights he was on friday night lights and he was really good in that show was there and and as and I wanted to uh, I wanted to uh, I wanted to backtrack just a bit uh, what Ron said when he said he appreciated that the movie didn't treat Fred Hampton like a god like he was a normal or a relatively normal person. There was a movie back in 2016 or 17 called Free State of Jones. It's not very good, but it's essentially about how during the Civil War, there was a colony in like South Carolina who seceded from the Confederacy and they wanted to just live off the land and in their own right. Main character is played by Matthew McConaughey and the movie kind of portrays him as like a do no wrong kind of person. And when I saw the trailer for Judas and the Black Messiah, I was like, oh, please don't tell me they're gonna do that to him. And thankfully they didn't. 
So there's a right way and a wrong way to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one that I was thinking about when I was watching it is the movie Detroit. I don't know if either of you have seen it, yeah, but no, I uh, yes, yeah. that that movie is 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 good movie, but it it is kind of exhausting. And I appreciated that this movie 100% gave you you moments to breathe, like I said, with the characters. And I could have just, I almost wish that they had just focused on Fred Hampton and not had William O'Neill be like a major character because I, I don't know, I just felt like I didn't quite get enough with him. And I could have just had it just been about Fred Hampton. I don't even know if we needed the other kind of storyline. And maybe that goes to what you were saying, Ronald, about it, it uh, or, or Ryan, about it being a, uh, a little bit short. But um, but yeah, just where, like, by the time you finish Detroit, you are just feel so depressed. And uh, in this, you, you leave feeling, you leave feeling inspired. You feel sad, but you also feel inspired. Mm-hmm. I remember when I got out of seeing Detroit, I'm like, excuse me, I'm going to go walk myself into the sea now. (laughs) (laughs) Same. Oh, this, I said, I gotta go to bed. I just don't don't want to talk to nobody anymore. I just want to go see, wait till tomorrow comes. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So if you were going to give this movie a a rating one to 10, what would you give it? What, What do you think, Ryan? Um, hmm. Oh, put me on the spot. Uh, okay. <laughs> I think I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it an 8.5. Yeah. Actually, yeah. let's, actually, I'm feeling generous. Let's go nine. All right. My only, I, I, my only real problem is that I wish it were longer, but I already expounded upon that. Yeah. I do think that Martin Sheen was kind of a weird choice for J. Edgar Hoover. He he did have a pretty he did have a pretty tension filled scene with uh, Jesse Plemons though and he's yeah. like what would happen if your daughter brought home a young Negro and and he's like he's an infant sir and like that That's didn't answer my question I'm like where is this going so props to props to him for yeah for but Ronald what do you think what score would you give it. I've been battle, battling this, you know, because I, I kept saying to people about it, saying that, oh, it's just so, so good. I say that I definitely would give it around, like, if it, it was going, if we're going numbers, then yeah, like a, like a nine out of 10. Mm-hmm. Like that, that one, like it's worth it. It's good. It's, it's a long, I'll say that. So if you and don't recommend people don't, Grab your drink, grab your snack, and just lock your door so you don't get distracted. <laughs> you know, it's, it's that kind of a movie. Yeah. If somebody comes to the door, the UPS man, go away. Leave it on the door. <laughs> All right. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm going to give it an eight out of 10 just because of the, I felt like the William O'Neill character could have been a little bit better developed. And so that's the only reason. But it's really strong. I really, I really thought it was great. And uh, so, yeah, people should check it out. And I've never, I don't know this director at all, Shaka King. I don't. I believe this is her debut, if my memory serves me right. Yeah, that's pretty. Whenever I say her, impressive. Whenever I say her name, I half expect to hear myself say Shaka Khan and be like, (laughs) Oh yeah, I thought that too. I came my head. I half expect her to appear on screen and be like, Ain't nobody does it better. (laughs) And I think it is a man, Uh, actually. I'm seeing on IMDb. I'm not sure, but anyway, 
Um, so yeah, very impressive debut. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, let's talk about our recommendations then for HBO Max. In general, Ron, would, would you say you've been happy with HBO Max? Do you think it's been a good service or not? It's, it's definitely it's definitely been something that I can bounce in, in and out of. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't have for me enough to me to stick around, especially when you're looking at how many other streaming services you have. And you're trying to balance your pay. Mm-hmm. So you're really trying to ask yourself, is it worth that extra cash? And for me, it's it's all right, you know. Does them doing the same day releases uh, on HBO Max and in theater does that make it more appealing? Oh, one hundred percent. Like if if someone someone saying you know, when they look at the list of all the movies they announced for HBO Max and if they still don't feel comfortable of going inside theater, this is gold. Are you kidding me? Like this is something that you can be like, thank you very much. <laughs> I ain't going nowhere. This is what I wanted from the from the get go. Yeah, uh, Ryan, we've talked a lot about HBO Max, but what do you think at this point, kind of about it and as a service? I actually, I'm actually growing more fond of it by the day because I think in terms of content, it has a lot of stuff that I really enjoy. Like I've been rewatching Band of Brothers as of late, and that's one of my favorite miniseries ever. It's fantastic. And it has a lot of other stuff that I love on there, like old Cartoon Network shows, like, spoiler alert, one of my recommendations. And and it has the Ghibli movies on there, which I've been using for my I Finally Watched series over on my channel. Hashtag cheap plug. Uh, (laughs) It's got... It's got TCM on there and a bunch of classic movies on there. And, and I think in terms of like a tailored experience, I think HBO Max is one of the better services out there. And with the same day new release thing as in theaters, I was like, okay, uh, let's see how this goes. But I think as of right now, I think it's, I think it's doing pretty well for them. It's, it's, I think the jury's still out on whether or not this is going to be good long term, but in the short term, I think it's I think it's a pretty good idea. And I, yeah, I mean uh, it's it's especially great service for me because I get it for free with my Comcast. So I mean, there how can you, you know, a, complain about that? There. Yeah, so oh. it makes com my Comcast subscription way more valuable because I get I get uh, I get uh, HBO Max and Peacock both included in my Comcast. So that is pretty good. And, uh, and also like there was, it was pretty weak. I thought like this summer when they were like losing the DC films, and losing Harry Potter and losing, like, it just seemed like what is happening with the service? They're not going to have anything left. And, <laughs> but they, I feel like they've kind of crawled out of that. And, and this, as this same day as theaters kind of initiative was very smart. It, I think we were all a little sort of shocked and skeptical when they first announced it. And they could have definitely informed the creators that they were doing that, but Wonderful. especially now that it seems like things are, are going to be even delayed more, it's starting to make way more sense. And I'm like, okay, I get it. Um, but anyway, yeah, so it's, it's a pretty, pretty good service for all the reasons that you all said. And uh, so let's talk about our recommendations and I will go first. So my first recommendation is a docu-series. And I, they have such great documentaries on HBO. 
and whether it's the sports ones or the uh, the other documentary series, I loved McMillions last year was one of my favorites. And and uh, this year they have something called The Lady and the Dale. And this is a really great docu-series. And it's about this woman, uh, Liz Carmichael. And she's a transgendered woman in the 1970s, true docu-series. And uh, it's what I think the, the show does so well, just finished yesterday. So just riding high off the finale. Um, it does so well is that it manages to be sort of morally ambiguous in a way that like part of it is sort of a celebration of her, but part of it is also a, it's a true crime story and she swindled people and wasn't a honest person, particularly honest person, but yet she was and she was so com- confident in being transgendered at a time when it wasn't acceptable. And so one in one hand, literally from scene to scene, you're kind of like, wow, she's bad. Oh, wow, she's good, um, which is human beings, right? And so, I don't know, it was fascinating and interesting. And not only is she just an early transgender uh, proponent, I guess, and woman, but also she had this idea that she was going to create the three-wheeled car and it's gonna it was gonna solve the gas crisis of the 1970s and but it, on one hand it looks pretty much like it was a ponzi scheme but then did she know it was a ponzi scheme did she really think that it was going to work maybe yes i don't know i've still watched the show and i don't know and i think that's a great documentary where it allows your characters to be a little like i said morally am, am, ambiguous like that there's not like clear like heroes and villains i mean unless you're unless you're talking about like the holocaust or something like that where there's clearly heroes and villains i think it's it's more interesting to have where there's just this little bit of like what who is this person what's happening and and the director isn't trying to like tell you how to feel about everything i i really respect that and uh it's produced by the duplass brothers and so it has like a little bit of sort of their indie uh kind of sensibilities to it and their humor to it and they use they they didn't have very much archival footage or archival photos and so they used a lot of animation uh, to create recreate certain sequences and it's it's uh, almost like stop motion with um uh kind of photos and newspaper clips but then they animate them it was very it was very clever and very charming and i don't know i just really enjoyed it it's the kind of i'm i feel like this should be the new tiger king uh and everybody should be talking about it because it's so interesting and so well done but nobody's talking about it I'm like come on people wow. um the we should be talking about the show so uh y'all should check it out it's really good well there's no carol baskin in it then there's <laughs> <laughs> But Liz Carmichael, she's so interesting. <laughs> you need a TikTok song to, to, to make it go viral, yes. <laughs> I saw a three-wheeled car. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, so, have either of you even heard of it? No, that was no. the first time. I saw a trailer for it on Facebook, believe it or not. I was scrolling yeah. through Facebook, and I was like, the lady in the Dale, what is this? And hearing the plot of it, I was like, she should have waited a few years and moved to Florida. Like those three-wheeled motorcycles called spiders, those things are everywhere. So she was mm-hmm. she was ahead of her time, I'd say. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. Oh. Uh, well, a lot of it is set in Florida, in Texas, in California. So uh, what is your first recommendation, Ryan? So my first, uh, so my first choice is a classic movie and it's called Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Uh, this was directed by Mike Nichols, who directed The Graduate, 
uh, it starred Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor, and it told and it tells the story and is based on the play of the same name. That's important. It tells the story of a married couple who has lost all love in their marriage. The fire died out a long time ago. They're just putting on up appearances now. But after a party, they go home. They're very drunk, and she said, and she tells him, "Oh, by the way, I've invited this new couple over for drinks." And he's like, "You did what?" And the movie is essentially an hour forty-five of these two couples just playing a game of mental chess with each other because the newer couple are still kind of in love with each other, even though they have their secrets. And Burton and Taylor pretty much hate each other, so. It's and and the movie is just a game of one-upsmanship between Taylor and Burton, and it's pretty much, pretty much everything. Every barb that they traded with each other is like personal insult, and I took that personally. You know, trade tirade about how she puts out too much, and I took that personally. This movie is crazy, so you have to be prepared for what you're about to watch. But if you can stomach it, I do highly recommend it. Like I said, this was directed by Mike Nichols, who directed The Graduate. I was not a fan of The Graduate. I thought it was just a very weird and borderline creepy movie, but I have more in my review of that. Another cheap plug right there. Uh, I'm going to be doing a full in-depth review of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf on my channel very soon. So it was fresh in my memory, so that's why I do recommend it. However, it's, it's a very underrated movie, especially from around this time. And I think this movie also kind of predicted the future because Richard, Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor would divorce a few years after this movie. So art imitating life, I suppose. Jeez Louise. Yeah, and they did they, I think they even got married a couple times. For like six months, and then they divorced again. Yeah. I will. I actually haven't seen this one. Of course, I've heard of it, but I've, I've never seen it. So I'll just watch it one of these days. Uh, Ronald, what about you? What's your first recommendation? Okay. All right. And I'm glad you, early on you guys talked about Studio Ghibli films because that's one thing I love. It's me some good Studio Ghibli films. But there's one I think that just doesn't get enough love. And, I, and you know what? I think more people should talk about it and love it because it's just so good. And I, I want to see if you guys even know, uh, you, you, you've heard about it, uh, po, uh, Poco, Porco, Porco Rosso? Heard of I, it. I, so I love this film so much. And I, everyone will talk about, you know, My Neighbor Totoro, talk about Spirited Away, talk about the big gems. I get it. I understand. They're good. But y'all don't understand the unique fun of Porco Rosso. You know, yeah, I think it's, 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 it takes place in the 1930s. And the man, uh, the flying ace, is a pig, for no yeah. reason at all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you're you're first trying to just cut that in your head to, to just to think about this and watching it. He's he's brash, he's sarcastic, but also he's he's teamed up with a with a young girl who can can back up the energy that he's given. And then you're just lost in the world of it. And if you know any other Studio Ghibli film, what else what else is new? The animation is great. The atmosphere, gorgeous. You're swept in the atmosphere of everything in it. I love the music. The music is so, oh, so good. So please get off y'all chairs and check out Porco Rosso, guys. It's worth your time. 
Yeah, definitely. Everybody should watch it. It's really funny and it combines a lot of Miyazaki's greatest loves. It's got a lot of flying planes. Uh, it's got a lot of, uh, it, you know, it's got your kind of pilot character, although he's a pig, uh, but uh, but it's got his whimsy, I think, and it's it's and the music is so well done, like you said, it's very very fun. So I, I think it's a good recommendation. Uh, well, my second recommendation is a I think a hidden gem from last year. It's a movie called The High Note. And this is a movie about a superstar singer and her publicist or agent, I'm not sure what you'd call her, assistant, um, played by Dakota Johnson, uh, that uh, she is just overworked, but she has her own dreams of becoming an editor, a sound editor, a music editor, and being able to put all the songs together in the right way and everything. And uh, so the star is played by Tracy Ellis Ross and she is Dinah Ross's daughter. And so it's definitely really inspired casting and she can definitely pull off the singing and the performance sequences. Uh, this also has Kelvin Harrison Jr. And, uh, and then Ice Cube as her, I guess Ice Cube is the agent, I think. And Dakota Johnson is the assistant. Uh, and anyway, it's it's not going to like surprise you. It's it's it is somewhat predictable of what's going on, and the big reveal is is pretty predictable. But it's all very well executed with really likable performances. The music is really good, well done, and uh, overall, I just enjoyed it. I think it's worth a worth a watch. A cute little little movie, I would say. So. Did you, any of you get to see this last year? I was going to see it in theaters, but the world went to hell. So <laughs> I really, I really couldn't. Yeah. Chalk that up, chalk that up on, on, the, on, on the board with the rest of the movies. Dang God. <laughs> yeah. But now but you can it, see it on HBO Max. So very good. <laughs> it did, it did look intriguing, but at the same time I was like, okay, Ice Cube is being a real like controlling manager. I have a feeling I know where this is going. Not oh, to yeah. Not to not to be pretentious or anything. I just had a I just had a good feeling, but I'll I'll still check it out anyway. It definitely is predictable, like I said. You know where it's going, but it, you have a pretty good time along the way, I would say. So, Ryan, what's your second pick? So my second pick is a television show, and it is the Cartoon Network show that I teased a little bit earlier. It it's one of my childhood favorites, the original Teen Titans. Not Teen Titans Go. Difference. Difference. <laughs> Teen Titans Go is like for little kids. The original Teen Titans is for like teenagers and young adults. Tell them, Ryan. Tell them. It, it tells the story of, well, the Teen Titans. Robin, Beast Boy, Cyborg, Starfire, and Raven. And they all, they all fight crime. And what makes... What makes this series so special is that it's like Batman the Animated Series in that every character has their own stuff going on, but instead of treating it like a kid's show, it treats everything with great weight and seriousness. And there's a lot of lighthearted stuff too, like this movie, this movie, this series has a very anime motif about it, very exaggerated facial expressions and like to the point where the Titans headquarters is just a big T on the outside of the city. I don't know how structurally that is possible, but it's awesome, so I will allow it. And 
the voice acting is just spectacular. It's all great. Uh, my boy, D. Bradley Baker, who would crush it on Clone Wars and Rebels, is here as, as one of the villains. Ron Perlman is the Titans' main villain, Slade, and he's awesome. And just, I, this was my jam growing up. I remember watching this in the dying days of Toonami, and then when they moved it to, I think, Friday nights, I was there for that as well. This is like, like in between Clone, this was like in between, like, when this ended, Clone Wars began, and so it was like the perfect bridge of my Cartoon Network watching, and I have, I have a lot of nostalgia for it. I even like Titans in Tokyo, which was the movie that pretty much ended the show, but it's all fantastic, and there's a lot of great plot lines in there, like pretty much everything involving Raven and her relationship with her father, the literal devil himself, no and... Lie. And there's a great episode where Robin uh, gets beaten up in a fight so badly that he reconsiders being a hero at, like, period. And he has a crisis of confidence that's handled really well. And I can't talk enough about this show. It's amazing. It's, it's one of the best, it's one of the best DC cartoon shows that they ever made. Like, like it feels almost like a direct successor to shows like the animated series and Batman Beyond. It's like, that's like the next step. At least it's what it feels like to me. If you haven't watched it, you totally should. 100% yes. Yeah, I, of course I heard about the show a ton when the Teen Titans Go uh, movie came out and uh you know that everybody hated Teen Titans Go. I never seen bad. either of the shows. No, it, it wasn't but, a bad movie. I am, but I actually I, really enjoyed the movie. <laughs> I thought it was I funny. Am, I am ambivalent towards Teen Titans Go. If you like it, that's perfectly fine. You all should have as much right as any to like that show. However, it's like that's like great value Coca-Cola and Teen Titans, the OG is like Coca-Cola classic. Like there's mm. a there's a difference. Tasty. Mm. Yeah, very, very, very cool. All right, Ron, what's your second choice? All right, okay. <clears throat> This is one that a, a, a friend of mine recommended me to, and he, he even helped me out trying to just to check it out on HBO Max. And I checked it out with expectation <clears throat> from him. And when I last saw it, I was like, I really enjoyed this. I really, and I love when you walk into a film with no expectations and you leave out like, yeah, that was actually pretty dope. And that movie I'm talking about is Charm City Kings. You know, that it's a, it's a good, to, for me, it came up like as a good, coming of age film of just young boys growing up in Baltimore, you know, one kid, you know, who wants to just be, he wanted to be just like his older brother. Just want to be a bikers. But we living in the hard town in Baltimore where they're at, it's a hard living. And you, there's a lot, only two roads you can go. And his mentors basically are on two different tracks. And it's about them both trying to guide him into a, a, a good direction, but also him just trying to find himself. I love movies like this, especially when the kids are kids, you know, they're not trying to be, when you're trying to write these kids in films, you know, they're trying to be like more, I guess, adults for them. You know, kids are gonna, kids are gonna swear. Kids are gonna be naughty to each other. You know, that's, they're, we're all gonna joke on each other. That's what friends do. And I love that about Charm City Kings. It's a film that to me, it's, it's unwritten. I haven't heard a lot of people give it the respect it kind of deserves. And the only one negative I can give it is more just that I thought Meek Mill's 
didn't need to be in, play that part. He did fine for what he could do. But I'm like, you guys could have found a person with more acting experience to handle that. Because there were a lot of big moments that he was talking that I was like, oh, it's just not hitting. But besides that, if you haven't checked it out, Charm City Kings, highly recommended. That's a great pick. I definitely recommend it as well. I saw it at Sundance last year, 2020 Sundance, and it was definitely one of the better films I watched at Sundance. I, I think the ending didn't quite work for me. I was just kind of like, oh, I don't know. We, we don't want to spoil it or anything, but I didn't love the ending. But other than that, I thought it was really, really well done and very unique, as you say. And I mean, I had no idea there was this whole uh, sort of uh gang with uh, uh gang culture with these um motor uh dirt bikes yeah same and the way they ride them like that it was pretty oh, crazy i see that all the time where i'm from oh, really? but also but also too the one thing that i actually had to look it up was the accents for the, everyone in baltimore because mm -hmm. i thought with the way they were saying some words i was like okay what's going on here like, why is everybody yeah. talking kind of weird over here and finding out they that's how they speak that it's just like if you live from new york in the south Mm -hmm. you're gonna have a little bit of an accent i'm like oh yeah so they they if you haven't seen it ryan they they ride the 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 dirt bikes on one on one wheel kind of tilted up yes down the street and uh it's it's pretty it's pretty interesting and four wheelers too kind of like so. kind of like the scene in creed when uh when uh yeah. when michael b jordan's running through the streets yep. and and they're following him on the doing the thing just like that yep. yes yep so yeah, that's a really good pick. Uh, so for my last pick, uh, I'm going to talk about the movie Beasts of the Southern Wild. And this is from 2012. This is by director Ben Zeitlin. And it was, wasn't was a hidden gem when it came out. It was highly praised. Uh, got uh, nominations for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Screenplay, and Best Actress for the little Winsonay Wallace. But I feel like it's kind of now it counts as hidden gem uh, that you don't hear that many people talking about it. And uh, it's a really unique film. It's a little bit hard to describe. Um, it's magical realism. It's about this girl growing up in the bayou. It's called the bathtub region of Louisiana. And her father is pretty terrible, pretty abusive, but she's still kind of, I mean, she's a child. She loves her father, but her father's getting sick. He refuses to go to medical care. He doesn't believe in medical care. And so she's trying to get help for her father. And at the same time, the like ice caps are melting. And so everything's flooding. And there's all of these magical creatures that are all part of, I guess, the lore of the, of the bathtub region, the, 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 these animals. And uh, so that she like interacts with and sees. And uh, so like I said, there's magical realism here. And this movie is so beautiful. It is absolutely gorgeous. It uses music so, so, so well. Uh, and it's, it's just very unique. Again, hard to describe, uh, but uh, it's an experience that you won't forget if you, if you watch it. I highly, highly recommend it. So have either of you seen this? Couldn't escape it during the, the Oscar season that year. Yeah, it was, it was, like I said, it was, it wouldn't be hidden gem in 2012, but I think now it, it counts <laughs> almost mm -hmm. years later. So people should check it out if you haven't seen it. Uh, but uh, Ryan, what's your last pick? 
So my last choice is from 2014, and it is Billy Crystal's 700 Sundays. Uh, this was a stage play that came straight from the mind of Billy Crystal, and this play is essentially his life story, and tell, talking about his family growing up in, in, on, in Long Island, on Long Island, uh, losing his father when he was 16, uh, going to college, meeting his wife, becoming a, a stand-up comic, and then later an actor, and everything in between. Uh, this is not just, this is not a traditional stand-up, or this isn't just a traditional, like, one-man show. Like, this is Billy Crystal telling intimate details about his entire life, and it is amazing. I cannot sell this enough. Literally, the first story is when the gangster known as Big John Amento crashes into the family car and he literally shows up at the Crystal home and offers to buy their buy Billy Crystal's father a new car and he's like no Mr. Amento I don't uh, I I don't want that and he's like why not and it's like cuz that's my car I paid for it and I and I and I pay for my own things essentially he tells it much better but it's stuff like that and it's not only incredibly funny, but it's also incredibly sad at times because Billy Crystal also tells the story about how his father died when he was 16 and it was, uh, it was after a nasty blow up that they had and just, you can tell just in his manner of speaking in his voice of just how much regret he feels because it's his father and the literally the last conversation they had was an argument over a girlfriend and just, you can't, you can't take those moments back, unfortunately. Uh, and I can't really go into how, mu how awesome this show is. I've seen it so many times. I even rent it from the library. It's that good. But it's on HBO Max now, so it can be seen by a lot more people. And So, it, so it's a film play or it's, is it a show? It's a one-man show, but it was on Broadway. And it, it won a mm. Tony, so. Cool. Yeah, that sounds really good. I, I uh, that sounds interesting. Uh, I, 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 I think I'd heard of it, but I've never seen it. So that's a good hidden gem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, Ron, what's your last pick? All right, and this one to me is the gem because it's fighting right now to get another season. And I'm like, you guys need to go and get subscribed to HBO Max just to binge this or just play it in the background. But even if you play in the background, you won't be able to clean your house or do your laundry because you're going to be sucked into this show. This animated show is so fantastic. And I'm talking about Infinity Train. I love this show so much. It's probably, if I look back right now, it's on my top five like all-time favorite sh animated shows because of how unique it is and just the world that they set it, how they set it. And again, I can't spoil it. That's, and that's how great the show is. Each season, I'll just say, each season will keep you on your toes because it's not what you expect it to be. And I love that. I love a show that can just change itself and yet keep it connected and keep you going. It, it's, 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 def it has, it's just something that in this day and age of how anime shows are being held and dealt with some are being pushed to stream, you know, streaming services or they can't even find a home and they got to find hope to find life on the internet to get traction 
seeing when Infinity Train began, it started online on Cartoon Network, and then the online spirit started talking and talking, and then when it looked like it was gonna be on the network, it be on the channel, it got moved, we didn't know where it was gonna be, HBO Max, and once we saw it, everyone just couldn't stop talking about it. It's fighting for a fourth season. I'm telling you guys, listen to these words, check it out. You won't be sad, you'll be so happy, and then you'll say, give us the fourth season. Yeah. I've been meaning to check out the show and I really need to. Uh, it's just so hard to fit in seasons of television, but I've heard nothing but great things about it. Yeah. It's so worth it. I think, I think you would definitely like it. It touches on, on subjects that I, I'm so surprised like an animated kids show really touched it and handled it very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'll definitely especially have to watch in, that. Especially with Blue Sky Studios closing their doors. It feels yeah. like animation is now, is now like it's like in a hunting season at the minute and it's yeah. rather unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. Very good. Well, we did it. We have our recommendations and a review of Judas and the Black Messiah. So if you have any thoughts of any of our recommendations or what you thought of the movie, please let us know in the comment section or on Twitter. We'd love to talk about it. And uh, Ryan, where can people find you? They can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at RyanCam20. Then there's, of course, my YouTube channel, which is just called RyanCam. Uh, we're recording this on a Monday, which means my AFI project video for George Lucas's first movie, American Graffiti, has dropped. So go check that out. Yesterday, in honor of Valentine's Day, I dropped a video for one of my favorite romance movies ever, About Time. And then, uh, and then on Wednesday, I'm going to be talking about the 2011 movie, Hana. It's a movie that I've loved, but nobody talks about. And I think, and I'd like to shed some light on that subject. And then on Friday, the AFI Project comes back to talk about the Bob Fosse musical Cabaret. So if you haven't checked me out, please do. I've got a lot of content coming your way, plus some other series that I'm uh, working on behind the scenes. So check me out if you haven't. Right. And Ronald, where can people find you? If y'all want to go see some good talks, some good interviews, I recommend you come find me at Ronald E. Smith. I'm the only one there, so I promise you won't get lost. And come upcoming soon, you'll be seeing an interview with me and former NFL and XFL punter kicker, Marquis King. And what you want to check up there, you can also hear some interviews from Mets prospects and also Long Islander MMA fighter. So check it out. Come check out those nice things. Or if you want to just come see me and chat up with me on Instagram, come on, don't be shy. I'm, I'm very talkative. You'll yes. see me up there at Ron underscore Smith 10. That's all you need. And I hope to see you there. You should Could you... Uh, could you ask that uh, XFL punter if he met Vince McMahon and what is he like? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know th 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 this was when it got bought out and it's no longer owned by the day we now, but that would have been actually really fun to ask if it was still owned by him. Oh, yeah. That'd be interesting. Um, so you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. Please check that out and also check out the Hallmarkies podcast. We got lots of good interviews and other good content over there. And uh, so thanks so much, everybody. And let us know if you have a streaming service that you'd like us to take a look at. We would love to do so. And again, if you have any thoughts about all the different things we talked about, we'd love to hear from you. So thanks so much uh, to both of you. And we'll talk to you all later. Bye, everyone. Bye.